0: Ladies and gentlemen, I didn't know this uh, until just recently, but I did a little research on Dr. History, and I found out that he developed a love for writing and a love for everything to do the old-fashioned way in history, and for years and years and years, he has spent days in the summertime just going out collecting quills so he can write from the old pen, quill, and ink stands and keep history covered in his ledgers. Here is Dr. History.
1: Thank <laughs> you. Good morning, Zeb. How you doing? Fantabulous. Good, good. Well, I uh, am abiding by your wishes. Uh huh. And you asked for some scary stories, even though it's past Thanksgiving. So. No, uh, it's, not Thanksgiving. it's not I'm past say, Thanksgiving. I mean, it's not past Thanksgiving. It's past Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Halloween. <Okay. laughs> uh, what can I say? Okay, <laughs> Halloween. <laughs>
0: Well, now, I'm anxious to hear a spooky story all right. from you, so I've, go ahead.
1: I've got three stories, if we have time. Okay. One is about a ghost, one is about a headless horseman, and one is about a legless horseman. Okay. So, all right, here we go. Uh, there's a, a guy that tells a story about meeting Black Jack Ketchum. Okay, now Black Jack Ketchum was the guy that when they did hang him, if you recall, they kind of underestimated or overestimated, and when they hung him, his head popped off. Yeah, one of those little things. Yeah, one of those little minor details yeah. when you're hanging a but- somebody. So, yeah. Anyway, so this guy tells a story. He and several scouts were at uh, camping at the Philmont Scout Ranch. And they went backpacking through the mountains, and there was some historic sites, including one of Black Jack Ketchum's outlaw hideouts. Now, the hideout was a kind of a, li- a, a large rock overhang, and the scouts thought it would be fun to camp there for the night. So, But the leader uh, insisted that they stay at their designated site. Well, disappointed, several of these scouts set their tents up several hundred feet away from the leader's tent, uh, which, you know, I can't imagine scouts doing this, but they did. Uh, hoping that they'd have a chance to sneak back to the hideout. So about 11 o'clock that night, when the rest of the camp was fast asleep, five of the scouts gathered the sleeping bags and quietly stole back to the hideout, to Black Jack's hideout. So they set up camp underneath the overhang. They built a fire, and they sat around talking about the trip. And when the fire burned down to nothing more than red coals, the scouts settled down in their sleeping bags. And uh, the guy that tells the story, he drifted off to, off to, uh, to sleep thinking about Black Jack Ketchum. Suddenly, he was awakened by a noise in the bushes. He said that he felt paralyzed, unable to move. He tried to call out to the others, but his throat wouldn't work. Then he saw a cowboy dressed all in black come running out of the bushes toward the hideout. He said the man was mostly solid, but some parts of him appeared a little translucent. Mm. He described the man as filthy, dirty, with a tattered hat, mm. clothes from the 1800s, terribly yellowed teeth. His face was red, glistening with sweat, with lots of facial hair, and he held a revolver. The cowboy was apparently unaware of the scout, but the boy was very scared as much by his inability to move uh, than by the man. And as he watched, a strange kind of of fog came from the tree line across from a small stream. And he could hear men yelling, didn't know what they were saying, and then he heard muffled gunfire. Uh Uh-oh. Okay, the cowboy turned and fired his revolver six times into the trees, and then he ran and stood right over the scout. The cowboy was wounded in the shoulder and discharged six more shell casings from his revolver right on top of the boy. Okay, now as he watched, these casings disappeared as they fell onto his sleeping bag. Mm -mm. Now the cowboy reloaded his revolver, fired additional shots into the trees, and suddenly the cowboy saw the scout. Now the expression on the cowboy's face indicated that the scout had just suddenly appeared before his eyes now the cowboy seemed to be confused and confounded and of course the scout was absolutely terrified then the cowboy uncocked his pistol and he looked at the scout very closely and he said you're not supposed to be here and then he just disappeared into thin air now eventually the scout was able to go back to sleep and the next morning uh, his uh, fellow scouts woke him up, and uh, as they broke camp, the boy told his fellow campers about the, quote, dream, and they thought it was kind of funny, but they rolled, started the scout started rolling up his sleeping bag, and he found six shell casings in the dust. Okay, when he returned back to camp, the scout visited an old saloon where a photograph of black Jack Ketchum was displayed. The photograph was the same man that he, the scout had seen at the hideout.
0: Oh, that's a good thing he was in a saloon.
1: just brushed him off and uh, setting him up for a big uh, joke, and the scout never told anybody else about it, but he kept the shell casings. Now, when he returned home, he checked with a gun expert who said that the casings were dated from sometime around 1878, which is about the same time Black Jack was running around. But they were in almost brand-new condition, and the gunpowder could be, still be smelled in them. In fact, the gunpowder was one that was used in the last century, but not today. Now, the scout kept the casings for years, but unfortunately, after he moved away from home, his mother threw them out, along with several other items the boy had saved, and so that's the story of the ghost of Black Jack Ketchum.
0: Oh, my goodness, <laughs> I'd never heard that.
1: So, okay, now we're going to move on to... Uh, uh, another one here. Uh,
0: All I need is a pumpkin.
1: <laughs> that's right. Okay. In 1846, the infamous Donner Party. You know, uh-huh. they crossed the Ruby Mountains. Right. Over the Overland Pass, and there was a much, a much smaller party led by a guy named Am Brewster Pike. And so that's the guy we're going to talk about. Now he was following the Donners, but they were several weeks behind. So. Basically, the same blizzard that stranded the Donner Party in the Sierras likewise hit the Pike Party. I see. And they'd missed the Overland Pass cut off and were now in the vicinity of a place called Mooney Basin. Mm-hmm. Well, according to a document written about the history of that county, uh, again, the same tragedy befell the Pike Party. Once all the food was gone and their livestock was eaten, they started munching on each other. Now, whether Ambrose or Pike was murdered and his legs were cooked up, or he lost both his legs due to frostbite is unknown. What is known is that ever since that terrible winter, the ghost of Armbruster Pike has been seen off and on over the years. And they say it's a ghost that always is described as being hunchback, long scraggly white hair, beard, and no legs. Okay, now I'm going to keep going here. Uh, mining activities have been going on in that area since the 1800s, and there's a couple of old ghost towns over in that area, but... There are tales of miners just disappearing and never being found again. One of a miner whose body was found, but his head was missing. Uh, It was later found some distance away. But now we're going to go into modern time. In the 1980s, there were modern uh, mining activities at this same area. Mm -hmm. Okay, now the mechanics who worked on the graveyard shift, that should give you a hint. Hey, hang on just a second.
0: I don't want to be alone in this studio. Deanne, come in here. I'm afraid.
1: She needs to hold your hand.
0: yes
1: <laughs> okay so here we are the graveyard shift 1980s uh... The, some of the mechanics at the shop they witnessed some unexplained events like trucks and dozers in the shop that would mysteriously start up all by themselves others had seen a lone figure at night in 1989 while hauling ore there was a contractor that was killed when his truck went out of control and rolled and near an S curve in Mooney Basin. So was the driver swerving to miss something or someone? Well, okay, we're going to keep going here. During a blizzardy night, a lube man, and I'm assuming that means a guy that just greases everything up, uh, was driving back from the Mooney Basin, and as he approached this S curve, he almost ran over a man in the road. Oh. Okay, when the lube man reached the shop, he asked if anyone had seen someone walking around. Well, no one had, and they asked why. Well, the lube man told them about a guy he had nearly run over on the road. He'd stopped his truck, gotten out to ask the guy in the road if he needed a ride. Well, the guy in the road took off into the blizzard and the sagebrush, and when the lube man was asked to describe the man in the road, he said, well, he had a long white beard, white hair, he was hunched over, and it was blizzarding so bad that I couldn't see his legs. Well, the miners in the shop said you just saw the ghost of Arm Brewster Pike. Well, the loot man was new on the on the mine site and he'd never heard the stories of, about Pike, but uh, he says that he actually saw him several more times after that.
0: You gave me goosebumps.
1: <laughs> well, you know, any ghost story can use a little help, and. Uh, one quiet night in that area, a couple of miners uh, they had a new guy on the job. oh boy, uh, and so they uh, what they did is they uh, went and got a coat and uh, uh, just a short coat, like a bright raincoat mm-hmm. just on the upper part and he and it, this was a night and he ran through the bush bushes uh, just within the edges of the light and uh, to this day the new guy swears he saw the ghost of Arm um, Brewster Pike. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, you know, that's uh, uh, kind of the story of Arm Brewster Pike that still roams that area over there. Okay, now we're going to get to the Headless Horseman. Oh,
0: boy, here we go.
1: Okay. 1850, a man by the name of Vital, Vidal was busy rustling cattle all over South Texas. And pretty soon he had a pretty high price on his head, dead or alive. Well, during that summer, Vidal took advantage of Comanche raids, which were and a lot of the men uh, over to fight off the Comanches. Well, in the meantime, uh, left the settlements unguarded. So this was a pretty good time for Vidal, along with three of his henchmen, to take advantage of the situation. So what Vidal didn't know was that uh, when he went and stole some horses that several of these were the prized Mustangs belonging to a Texas Ranger. Mm-hmm. You don't mess with the Texas Ranger. New, 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 new. Yeah. So you steal a horse from the Texas Ranger, and this guy was named Taylor, Creed Taylor. Now, due to the location of Taylor's uh, ranch and livestock, he quite often was the target of horses being stolen. Well, Taylor had, had enough, and he quickly followed uh, or gathered up a fellow Ranger by the name of Bigfoot Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> Bigfoot, and another rancher by the name of Flores. Well, both Wallace and Taylor were skilled at tracking, and the three men shortly found the trail of Vidal and his henchmen, and when the three men found the outlaw camp, they waited until night, and then the ban- when the bandits were sleeping, uh, they uh, caught them unaware, and they basically just killed them. But Taylor, killing them was just not quite enough, so Taylor and Wallace wanted to set an example that would kind of deter future bandits. So in those days, stealing cattle and horses was a crime really actually more serious than murder. So the rangers had tried all types of brutal justice, including stringing them up in trees and left them hanging or shooting them or chopping them to pieces, and, but nothing to worked to stop the outlaws. So in kind of a dramatic uh, example of frontier justice, uh, Wallace, uh, old uh, Bigfoot Wallace, he beheaded Vidal, then lashed him firmly into the saddle on the back of a wild Mustang, and he tied the outlaw's hands to the to the saddle horn, and he secured the torso uh, to hold him upright, and then Bigfoot, uh, attached Vidal's head and sombrero to the saddle with a long strip of rawhide. Mm-hmm. Okay, so have you got this picture in your mind? Yes, I do, indelibly, forever. <laughs> okay. He then turned the bucking and horse loose to wander the Texas hills with this terrible burden on his back. Yeah. Well, soon stories began to abound about the headless rider seen usually in remote country with its sombreroed head swinging back and forth to the rhythm of the horse's gallop. Well, as time went on, more and more cowboys sparred, spotted the dark horse with its fearsome cargo and not knowing what it was, they riddled it with bullets. But the horse and its rider, you know, they rode on. <laughs> he didn't fall off the horse. And so the legend became known as El Muerto. El Muerto. Yeah, El Muerto. Muerto. Yeah. El Muerto. Yes. Muerto. Yeah. El Muerto. Ed, sure you I mean. can just
0: say it like we'd it. El Dedo. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't know what that means
0: instead. It means dead. It means or, dead. It,
1: dead. Dead like it, in... I think it means the headless one.
0: No, it means dead. muerto means dead and this guy was really deceased he was
1: so these stories these legends began so soon south texas uh, brush country became a place to avoid as el muerto was credited with all kinds of bad stuff and misfortune well finally a posse of local ranchers captured the wild horse at a watering hole uh, and just south of alice texas and still strapped firmly on its back was this dried up corpse of vidal now is riddled by scores of bullet holes, Indian arrows, and the body was finally bur- buried in an unmarked grave, and the horse was finally free to run. But Now, that should have been the end of El Muerto, but the legend would live on to this day. Uh, soon after his body was laid to rest, soldiers began seeing the headless riders. Uh-oh. And travelers and ranchers in this no-man's land also reported continuing to see a headless horseman. In fact, in 1917, a couple traveling by covered wagon to San Diego uh, uh, camped for one night outside of town, and they would report the next day that as they sat by the campfire, a big gray stallion sped by with a headless man shouting, It is mine, it is all mine. Yeah, it was
0: was an IRS agent. It
1: was. And then again, another sighting of the headless wonder was reported near Freer, Texas in 1969. Oh, my. So the legend lives on, and still today there's people report seeing the headless rider galloping, galloping through the mesquite on clear moonlit nights in South Texas.
0: You know, the one that bothered me the most, I think, that gave me the heebie-jeebies was the guy in Nevada uh, that you said even up until, uh, what, 1969 or something, they've had sightings of down at that mine? Oh, yeah. Woo!
1: That's yeah. spooky. Yeah, I mean, uh... So, you know, and Black Jack catch him, you know, wandering around, yeah. uh, you know, so. Do you think you've ever seen a ghost? Nah, I don't think so. Uh-huh. I've been scared a few times, you know, when I, when I was a kid, you know, out milking the cows at night sometimes when it's dark and you hear noises and uh, you wonder, know, what was that out there by the haystack, you know?
0: Yeah, well, you've scared me a couple of times with some of the stories about naked mountain men and other things. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I try to choose my words wisely, and sometimes that doesn't work. <laughs> I know.
1: I have stuck my foot in my
0: mouth. Oh, <laughs> uh, but surgery was performed, and all was yes. well. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> now those were three good stories. Quite frankly, I, I really enjoyed those. I thought you did a good job.
1: Well, thanks. I uh, I started looking up some of these stories, and I thought, oh man, there's there's actually a lot of stories. I mean, you get into some of the ghost towns, you know, and. Uh, Uh, and and people that were killed in certain places or, you know, thrown down a mine shaft or, I mean, there's, there's, uh, as I started looking, there's a lot of ghost stories in the Old West and then, you know, if you head back to the Civil War times, uh, man, there's a, there's a, there's a bunch of stories out there.
0: You know, and when you think about it, there's uh, even stories right just not too far from where you're standing right now over on the uh, Rupert side of the river for that cemetery right there. You always hear about somebody saying they've seen a ghost walking across the highway. Oh,
1: yeah. 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 It's, you know, there there's all kinds of things. I mean, even now, yeah, you're right. Even today, uh, some of these old mansions, uh, uh, you know, somebody got killed in or one thing yeah. or another. Uh, you know that they're supposedly still wandering the halls Woo! So. look out man i'll tell you all right now
0: what are you planning on next week
1: well i actually ran across a story i think that i might use next week and it's about athletics among the indians
0: oh really they had their yeah. own football teams they i know still- it i know where you're headed they're going to call themselves the redskins <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, that would be too general. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's going to have to be the Apaches, the Cochise, the oh. Arapahos, you know. But uh, they were p- politically correct then. Really? Because that's what they were.
0: Yeah. But uh, what kind of teams did they have? What kind of games did they play?
1: Well, I'm going I'm to save that for next week.
0: Oh, okay.
1: But they had their cheerleaders. They had their referees. The Indians had cheerleaders? They had their referees. You're kidding me. No, no. Uh, and and some of the sports uh, that they played, uh, sometimes among themselves and sometimes against other tribes. So uh, yeah, they actually had referees, and and uh, you know, like I say, we'll talk about that next week about what the referee said was that stood. That was the law. He was kind of like uh, the tennis linesman. Uh, yeah, you could. You don't even yell at him. Yeah. Oh, really? What happens if no. you do? <laughs> <laughs> A lot different than today. Yeah, no kidding. Get mad and yell and scream at the referee.
0: Well, I can't wait to hear that. That sounds like an interesting story, Dr. History. And what do you well, do?
1: I, I think, uh, I kind of found it interesting, so. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's sports and athletics. The, I mean, it's kind of like the, uh, the Super Bowl or the, uh, uh, whatever you want to call it, NCAA championship of the. Uh, civilized or uncivilized world whatever you want to call it
0: okay now tell everybody dr history your real name is dr ken turner we got about 30 seconds left and tell everybody what you
1: do in your real life i'm a chiropractic physician in burley idaho 1400 normal avenue been here for quite a few years in fact i'm the patriarch now of the uh, of the chiropractors in this area So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. And the originator of the bacon maple bar. That's right. That's right. Uh, It doesn't get any better than a bacon maple bar.
0: No, as a matter of fact, I was thinking about those yesterday. God bless you for being on the air this morning and scaring everybody. And I know everybody's (laughs) going to be watching over their shoulder. Thank you, Dr. History. All right. You have a good day, Jeff. Thank you. God bless you. Those were good stories this morning. He does a wonderful job. Dr. History.